the Luminous Possibilities Podcast. We offer a diversity of perspectives from many fields of medicine, esoteric and ancient wisdom, and subtle energy, arts, and sciences. Find deeply fulfilling pathways for co-creating yourself, life, and human communities around you. Find inspiring attunements to your own optimal living roadmap, true authentic self, and the most radiant frequency for living life to the fullest. Hello and welcome to another episode of Luminous Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Keenan White, and I'm here with Zach Dragon today. Um, Zach, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Zach Dragon. That's my uh, my practicing name. I'm a uh, Reiki, Reiki practitioner, uh, level two master right now. I'm working on my level three. I'm also a full-time police officer, and I'm here to... Uh, to speak on my modality and kind of the path that's brought me here. When I tell people that I'm a, uh, a Reiki practicing police officer, it causes heads to spin every once in a no, while. I'm kidding. It sure did for me. And you're, you're practicing Reiki within our community a couple of times. And then people are like, Oh wow, he's a police officer. Interesting. And so I think it's pretty amazing that you um, you've able to, you've been able to sort of find, you know, a modality and then actually bring that into your work. So I want to talk about that piece. Um, but first, tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, how did you get into police work? And, and then, you know, what's your background? What led you there? And then how does Reiki fit into that? What was the next kind of nudge into that space? Right. So my, uh, my path in law enforcement and the guardianship that I feel into law enforcement started uh, very early on in life. I don't remember wanting to do anything else since I was about four years old. And uh, how I, many people feel that? I started that uh, that path very very early. Obviously, you know, there was, there was that desire, and then in high school, as soon as I was I was legally able to, I joined the military. Um, I started out in the Army National Guard back in Illinois and then went Air Force active uh, towards the end of my high school career. I did uh, EOD, which is Explosives Ordnance Disposal, which is a uh, bomb squad. I did get injured wow. in training and then I cross-trained into uh, security police or security forces, which is the Air Force's version of military police, but they're the Air Force, so they want to be different, so they call it something mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. um, but I did that for about 10 years. I had the... Uh, the opportunity to go a lot of interesting places and see a lot of interesting things and to really start spreading my wings as a teacher because in the uh, security forces career field in the air force we also did all of their combat training whether it be ground combat uh, air base defense and we also provided all of the small arms training for every member of the air force so i did that for several years until well I got out and ultimately the, the decision to get out came from, I mean, I, I joined the military cause I was going to save the world. I was, I was going to go out and nobody mm -hmm. was going to stop me. It was, it was, this was my path and I was going to, I was going to save everybody and protect everything. And I noticed that I was doing a whole lot of going elsewhere and not doing a whole lot here at this country that I love. And I started to, almost feel like a hypocrite going going halfway across the world to clean up somebody else's mess when we're not mowing our lawns here hypothetically right yeah we're not taking care of our yeah. own homes and interesting yeah 
So that led my decision to get out after, after 10 years. And I, my first job out of it was uh, working as a prison guard. And that gave me the experience I needed to get into law enforcement, working at a, at a jail and then to go into the police academy. And it's just been a, uh, it's been an amazing journey ever since. And it's really opened my eyes to my, my spiritual path. I was raised in the Catholic church. So getting into Reiki sounds kind of edgy to some of the people I knew growing up because the, the church I was in particularly said there is no white magic. It's either, it's either a miracle that's identified by the Vatican or it's something other than God. And in studying Reiki, I found out that uh, the Reiki practice actually has its roots in, uh, in the miracles recognized by Jesus. And Reiki is known as a healing modality, but it's all about the universal life energy that flows through everything. It flows through me. It flows through you. It flows through the, uh, the rocks and trees outside. It's, it's energy. And I fully believe, and you know, in our community that everything is energy and it's, it's a, um, it's a modality that allows that energy to flow. I mean, when I, when I work with a client, it's, I'm a conduit for that energy. I'm not doing the healing. I just open myself up to be a conduit to allow this Reiki energy to flow through me. And it's the client's system and the client's energy field that does the healing or releasing if it's of their highest good. I always tell people, especially when they're dealing with trauma release, because I do a lot of trauma release. It's like, you know, it's completely up to you. You can hang on to this trauma for as long as you want, or if it's time to release, then I can, I can help that. And, you know, Reiki has brought a lot to my life and career as a law enforcement officer and to just recognize that everything is energy and everything is love. Um, I have my judgments even on, on Western medicine. Uh, My daughter has recently had some, had some issues that she's gone to the hospital with and they come out with very canned statements, which I knew weren't the answer, but there's this, this perception that I have on Western medicine that a doctor or a nurse can't say, I don't know they have to go with the safe answer because everybody's so Sue happy. And by no means am I saying that Reiki is a replacement for Western medicine, but there are some things that Western medicine is absolutely for. I I was involved in a high-speed rollover car accident where I was ejected out of the car in 2015. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today if it weren't for Western medicine. Half of this leg and my jaw has all manner of metal stabilizers that they had to rebuild me. Totally. And I, I had my, my appendix ruptured at one point. And I mean, if, if it was just for Reiki, I, I wouldn't be here either. Um, right. So yeah, it's, it's this kind of modality is definitely no replacement for, you know, what, what's available in our hospitals and from our doctors and physicians. And there's, you know, limitations that I think we all see in terms of the way that, you know, um, because of some of the laws and the ways that, you know, medicine's practiced today, in a Western context there, you know, it's, it's this, the, sometimes the, 
you know, the lack of being able to open up to just, you know, the, the very, very real quantum field that we're in this, the fact that everything really is a frequency and a vibration and starting to approach, you know, wholeness and um, integrating parts of self and, you know, fragmented pieces of self into a, a sense of wholeness and healing, healed healing. Um, and I think that's where Reiki is powerful. You know, I think, so the word Reiki, I think it just means universal life force energy. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what, that's what Reiki is. So when you're a Reiki practitioner and I've got my level two as well, and I've got some years working with it too, um, you know, we're just kind of opening this up a little bit to our listeners and um, getting into some of the, you know, what is this? What's, what else is, you know, what else comes along with uh, learning Reiki and how does one practice it? And so, I mean, from my experience, I, you know, I just say that similar to what you said, I'm a channel and I'm a conduit for that and to sort of reside or enter into a neutral space energetically, emotionally, um, and to create, you know, a field of gratitude, typically, you know, gratitude is usually opens me up to a place where I can find some neutrality um, and a higher vibrational state and then get the sense into what's going on in the client's body and, and then essentially, you know, allow the touch and the connection in that conduit, um, you know, from what's flowing through me freely to the client. Uh, would you say that that's, I would say gratitude is huge and a, uh, in that gratitude, a, a self-love and a love for the client that pushes down my barriers and my expectations. I mean, coming in the nature of my career and the nature of the personality type that goes with that career, you know, um, as a cop and as a, a security forces member, we're expected to go into whatever situation occurs and control it. And it's the exact opposite for Reiki. Hmm. I studied Reiki for uh, several months, several months before I would even try to use it on anyone but myself and probably my cat because there was zero judgment on there yeah. um, because I felt that if I didn't do Reiki correctly, I wouldn't be a good steward to my client and then I'm not providing them the service that they're coming for and to be able to push that down and recognize that I'm not doing any healing. I'm just allowing the Reiki to flow. And it's up to the client if they want to let any of that stuff go in their system and for it to be in their highest good. I mean, who am I to argue what's in their highest good? So being in the, in the gratitude space of that has really, really helped me. And I get, I get better results or I hear better results from my client when I don't, I don't try and I don't try to control mm. and using that belief and modality on myself in my career field is helping to recognize that I can't control everything. I got to do the best I can, but whatever happens is going to happen. And the resisting what is, is what causes the biggest issues with us as humans, just, you know, globally. Yeah. If something is a certain way, but we don't want it to be that certain way, we resist the reality that it is that way. And so much comes from that. I mean, energetic 
issues in your system manifest as physical ailments. I believe that totally. And if you have an energy imbalance or you're holding on to the energy of a trauma and you know, your body legitimately builds walls to protect itself and protect others from that trauma. And if you go to a hospital because you're having muscle pain, but they can't find anything physically causing that because it's either emotional or energy, that's a shortfall for Western medicine. Right. Totally. Just like if you, you know, came to me and you had a legitimate broken arm, mm-hmm. I can you know, Reiki all day long, but that physical structure needs to be repaired. I can't do that. And I've... It's a limitation of Reiki. It's a limitation of Reiki. Absolutely. And I, in the military, I got certified as a combat lifesaver. I uh, have done some some basic EMT, um, not certified yet, but I've done a lot of that, that life-saving western medicine Mm. too and to recognize you know structural issues with a body and to now be able to you know for lack of a better word play in the energy field of someone's being it's an amazing space to be and just to be in gratitude for the opportunity to work with reiki they say it's it's um universally impossible to feel stressed and blessed at the same time. Mm. So I've really been able to (laughs) feel into that gratitude and just being, being grateful in my personal and professional life has just done amazing things for my career. And when I show up and um, encounter someone as a cop, I'd say, I used to say nine times out of 10, but I've got a different opinion now, at least half the time, one way or another, if I, if I in uniform on duty encounter somebody, it may be one of the worst days of their life, either because I have to take them to jail because of the consequence of what they've done or someone has already transgressed against them and they've been victimized by something. Mm -hmm. So I'm the one that shows up and this energy that I've been able to bring from my practice in Reiki and uh, the way I explain it to people is even if I don't say it physically, I try to preempt every action and word, especially in my, in my job with, I love you and, because I think there's so much more powerful uh, power in love. And that doesn't necessarily mean I love you. So I'm not taking any action. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. also a parent and any mother or father <laughs> out of love for their children will still hold them accountable. And it's the same thing. It may be, I love you, Keenan, and I really need you to slow down. Or, I love you, Keenan, and you're getting a ticket today. Or, I love you, Keenan, and you're going to jail. I need you to put your hands behind your back. Up till the ultimate, I love you, and if you don't put that knife down, I'm going to shoot you. It may not change the physical action, Hmm. but I've felt that it changes my energy and the energy from me that I put out on other people. And it's really, really helped it be clean, and I've... I think, and I have heard from people, it really changes their interaction and their perception they have with me as a police officer. Yeah, I think that's really important today and, you know, in, in this whole world of whatever's been going on and, you know, um, and maybe police officers just not necessarily tapping into that, to that love field and, 
acting in a way that's from another place. And so I think the fact that you're bringing that level of awareness and that energetic sort of signature to these scenarios that are, you know, sometimes, yeah, somebody can be in, in life threatening danger. Um, it's pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that, that you're, you said a lot of great things in there. One thing that I felt was that at least came up for me was this idea of entrainment. And when you're holding that frequency or, or there is one frequency um, at a higher frequency than another, typically the lower frequency will entrain or match that higher frequency. And then, so it seems to me on sort of like a, like an actual, um, you know, physical level, that's what's going on. And so when you're bringing that energy to the table or to a situation when, when you're in uniform, then you're able to, you know, basically up the field of energy and bring, call everybody up to a higher, higher frequency. Um, and it's not to say that that's necessarily like above one or another. It's, it's just a, a higher frequency that's going to be, um, I mean, to me that, I guess the definition of that is, um, holding more of an awareness of oneness and that I am you. And so if I, if you, if you are me and, and we are all one in a certain sense, and of course there's another relative context to that, um, in which we are separate. There's this mm-hmm. paradoxical piece of life, right? But there's, you know, perhaps different actions that would be taken at the point of recognizing, um, you know, that seeing one in the other. I, I definitely, um, I've recently changed uh, departments and in my previous department, when I first got hired on there, you could tell the guys didn't really know how to take me because I was, um, you know, smudging my patrol car with Palo Santo when I started my shift <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, handing out uh, selenite, selenite pieces to uh, the other officers. To the other officers. No way, nice. And uh, <laughs> I was about six months into it. My, my lieutenant called me into his office <laughs> and, you know, sometimes that cannot be too much of a, a good thing. And he called me into his office and he's got the, uh, the selenite crystal I gave him in his hand he's like why did you give me this and i was like i'm not exactly sure of the question you're asking and i told him the properties of selenite he's like but why and i was like because we all carry the stuff around and it um it helps cleanse and let go i mean you can absolutely cleanse your energy without it but it offers a, a focal point from cleaning and he's like because i need my energy cleared <laughs> like, I didn't know that that's where the conversation was going for about the first five minutes. And he, he told me, he's like, he's a, he was at the gym with a, another cop friend of his that we don't, we don't work with. And um, he kept talking to my Lieutenant with, about energy. And my Lieutenant looked at him. He's like, what's, what's up with you? Why do you keep talking? About why, why? And he's like, it's not what's up with me. What's up with you? Because I'm being drawn to talk to you about your energy. And he's like, I already work with one witch doctor. I don't need to work out with one too. But uh, <laughs> in in that space, he showed me such a vulnerability, which was beautiful. And he actually said, he's like, I want to get back to where I used to be. And I was like, well, where's that? He's like, I used to see things before they happen. So you have a administrative leader in American law enforcement with all the judgments and everything that goes with that 
opening up to a subordinate mm. to say, you know, I used to have the, this, this intuition that I've lost and now I want to, I want to find it again. So it was, nice. it was beautiful to be able and then my uh, my time at that department had run its course and i really feel like my time there has allowed i wouldn't say that i raised the vibration but i just the space i was holding and the being i was being mm-hmm. allowed that to to rise and it was time for me to move on to the next one and it's already been beautiful i make um i make grounding stone bags and uh, I had given my uh, my field training officer one. Nice. And uh, just talking to her about that, and it was that same that same preface of, you know, she's she's a busy woman and can't get out to get out to nature. But I make these these bags with intention of um, different stones that hold different vibrations, and I, I charge them with with river water so that it's a it's a part of earth someone can have and be present with because the, mm. the way i explained it is earth's vibration doesn't lower it doesn't matter if you're talking about the rocks the core of the earth it holds a higher vibration than we generally choose to hold as humans we are the ones that lower our vibration or allow our vibration to be lowered and just sitting with the earth i've had my vibration you know uh, heightened and my stuff that I carry around clean because I give it back to the earth and uh, she was having some gut issues and like two days after I gave it to her she uh, was complaining of less less issues Mm. that's amazing I mean yeah there's just uh, I guess what's dawning on me and what you're pointing to is the the earth's field being you know already sort of tapped in it's you know it's carrying the frequency itself and so finding a place for, you know, understanding what, what a crystal is all about, what are, what's selenite or, you know, how do you connect and relate to, to those pieces? I, I think you painted a really nice picture to that. Um, and it's amazing that, you know, somebody can actually shift some gut issues. I think sitting, you know, the whole grounding movement is a huge thing. And I think mm-hmm. this is a, a nice uh, way to see how Reiki sort of, um, connects into the everyday fabric of our reality is just that it's it's always there for us to tap into we can always choose to um you know find a frequency that's that's basically a a frequency of health um and i think nature just it has that um and yeah i think generally that's what reiki practitioners bring to a client in in perhaps a more amplified field um yeah, yeah, and Reiki, nature. Reiki is what really kind of opened up myself as a container to the healing modalities. Um, over the years, working with shamanic practitioners, I've I've brought animal medicine into it. I bring um, crystal healing medicine into it, and uh, recently, I've I've really opened the door into uh, bringing the the spirits of the dragons into uh, into Reiki too. Um, dragons from what I believe and what I've read to validate um, hold the same vibrational energy as what we perceive as angels. Mm. And uh, in talking to some of my clients, when they talk about, you know, they're like, is that dragon? It's like dragons are, are scary. And I was like, no, they're (laughs) perceived that way. And uh, 
where dragons come from they're they say a dragon fire is it burns hottest and that fire can burn away everything that no longer serves and they were born of the molten heart at least the earth dragons were born of the molten heart of mother gaia to to burn away what no longer served gaia and through millennia it would happen from time to time and you know it was the the human perception of the dragon that made it scary and really it's nothing different than just uh racism Mm. it's a perception and a projection Mm. of scariness and when that is taught then it just spreads and if you if you believe in the theory of the uh hundred monkeys i haven't heard of that one yet so in the um in the pacific ocean there was a series of small islands that were separated by water and all of the islands had the same species of monkey population Uh, there were some scientists who were observing the monkeys remotely and the um there was some environmental changes and they were running out of food so they didn't want to relocate the monkeys because then they would have had to be involved in and then it would no longer be natural so what they decided to do is to airdrop food in to sustain the monkey population so that they could be sustained without a um like a direct hand from humans Mm -hmm. so they were airdropping these crates of food and the crate would open up right before impact and kind of spread the food out Hmm. well the food would be in the mud and in the muck and the monkeys would eat it anyway until one day one monkey decided to pick up the food and he washed it and ate it that monkey then taught the other monkeys and mind you these are uh, several different atolls or separated by water Mm. and one monkey on one piece of land taught the other monkeys to wash off the food and when 100 of them had learned that behavior monkeys over on this island over here started doing the same thing so it's this idea of consciousness Mm. when it becomes learned across uh, a large enough area that there's this critical mass that all of a sudden it becomes common knowledge. And I feel that that can work with useful skills such as washing off of food or harmful beliefs if enough people subscribe to them, this critical mass of consciousness, even if it is anti-consciousness. It's a beautiful metaphor. And it seems like there's a direct parallel to your office where in some ways you're you're like, you know, you're bringing selenite and things into the office and then it's like that had some impact. It's, you're saying it's not like I rose uh, the you know raise the consciousness in the office, but it it was you bringing in something where it's it has a trickle effect. I mean we're all connected, and yeah to see that have its trickle effect like that. Yeah, I love that. It's a it's a nice uh, nice way to connect all of this. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it it seems to me that you know your background in ten years you know or plus and you know I mean you got this full experience in the military and in law enforcement and in jails and, you know, talking about how trauma, you know, I think 
to speak a little bit to trauma and how that can, you know, um, how Reiki can be a beneficial modality for working with trauma. And you're seeing your background in that. I, I think, you know, I'm sure there's probably like the more you're exposed to that, the various degrees and versions and, you know, um, the variety of how trauma can be experienced, the more easily you can pick up on this, the minutia of what's happening in the body and what's showing up in your clientele. Yes. And I've, um, I say, I know, I know trauma and I know mm. war. I've, I've seen it. I've, I've experienced it. And the way I view trauma in my work, I mean, it's, it's something that we all, we all suffer to, to one degree or another. Um, when you talk about PTS and um, post-traumatic stress, I leave the D out because it's not a disorder. It's a, it's a natural thing. Thank you. It's, uh, it's no different than if you, have, if you have a soldier who's involved in a firefight somewhere and the smell of burnt gunpowder brings their mind and their being back to that moment. Mm-hmm. They're there again. That interaction in their brain and in their energy system is no different than if you had a friend in high school who fell absolutely head over heels in love with a blonde girl and she broke his heart and he didn't want to date blondes anymore because there was that trauma attached to that. It's the same effect to different degrees. Yes, some cue in the environment that's triggering the past. Exactly. And the stress of, you know, it's like, um, you know, being in that traumatic situation or watching that traumatic situation on, on TV. There's a difference whether there's real danger or perceived danger. The human system doesn't know the difference. I mean, that's part of the reason why people spend so much money on, uh, you know, we have, we have Halloween coming up in a couple months mm-hmm. and people will go to droves to, um, you know, the 16th floor or whatever it's called because they get that adrenaline rush mm-hmm. that, as humans, we enjoy without the real danger. But the only reason that you get that re- adrenaline rush is because the system can't tell the difference. It reacts the same to perceived danger as real danger. And it's the same thing with the trauma if it's anchored in the being. I've been working mm-hmm. with a, uh, an amazing young lady who is a, uh, a massage therapist who had some very deep wounds from childhood and that stuff was anchored in her being from what she dealt with as a child. And then dealing with her children mm-hmm. would bring up those specific abandonments, you know, being a working woman and having to leave her children with other, other members of the family and, you know, doing some work on her. I was, it was beautiful because the Reiki and the energy just showed me what needed to be worked on and without her telling me and I'm kind of an analytical guy and I sometimes question my modality and it's, it was super validating to me. I could, I mean, I basically explained, I was like, does this make sense to you? And basically what I did is I I explained the situation that's the wound for her and the situation that brought it up. And it was just what I felt. And all I had to do was just put my, put my barriers down and feel into the energy and let Reiki do the work. 
keep my ego out of it. Yeah, totally. And it seems on one side note, I think when we have trauma as kids, usually when we witness some child at that age, so say something happened to us around four, and then we we see a, a kid and there's some reason I don't I don't want to be around this kid. We you know, just don't want to. And if they're if if they're four and you had your trauma at four, that's probably the reason. Something you don't want to really feel and look at. And it seems to me that, you know, as part of what you were doing with your client, you were just, you know, pointing her to step into really just a presence and an awareness with some of the feelings that may have been there or were there, but just needed the time and space and the container to feel. It seems to me a lot of the healing that takes place is really leaning into some of the things we just don't want to, we don't want to feel. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, we, we think in our analytical mind, well, I mean, if I go into that fear, I go back to that sadness, I'm gonna have to re-experience something. And, and then when we actually sit down and we feel some of this stuff, it feels good. It feels good to actually feel some of the sadness, feel some of the anger, feel, feel afraid. Yeah. Sometimes I'm afraid. Sometimes I'm pissed and to actually just allow the sensations to unfold in the body. Um, or I think there might be a belief goes a long there way. that if you feel it, you validate it. If right. you don't feel it, it doesn't mean it's not there. And I always tell my clients, you have to feel it to heal it. So you can hang on to this in the back corner how long you want, or we can look at it and I'll be there to hold space for you while you feel it. And we usually find a resolution. There are other people who are just, they're just not ready to yet. And that's, that's perfect if that's if that's their path and i hold space and am willing to work through whatever whatever they're willing to work through um one of the other things i've incorporated into my modality is a cord cutting because we have energetic cords that are attached to situations attached to people and when they get anchored and they keep pulling that situation back you have to cut that cord um, I've worked with a with a shaman in my personal life prior to becoming a, a practitioner, and she would cut the cords and I would name them. I that doesn't feel true for me. I help my client find the anchors, and they cut the cords. They cut the cords and they pull out the trauma. Mm-hmm. They know their body. They know their trauma. Mm-hmm. I'm here to guide, but I feel it would be less effective. If I just, you know, started swinging my selenite blade around, <laughs> hoping to get it, it's like they yeah. they know. And there's some part of the energetic empowerment of if you're ready to let this go, here's the knife, cut it, be done with it. Yeah, and I think it, it, what comes up for me with you telling that story is, um, you know, with any modality, whether it's Western, Eastern, it's Reiki, or it's, you know, you're a physician and you're operating and you're doing surgery, there's there's some level of experience and expertise that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the key key pieces around Reiki is, is pretty much exactly what you're saying around, um, you know, recognizing that, that every individual has this field of intelligence in their system and they do the healing the healing takes place i mean most of it is getting out of the way dr joe dispenza talks about that all the time it's just getting out of the way and so anytime we you know i find it a little misleading when when people call themselves healers because it's not really you as the healer you're really in some ways a facilitator or a you know a, a 
someone who's a sacred witness or holding a, a sacred container for someone to, to allow, you know, have their own healing. Yeah. And that's, that's very true. I mean, I, I refer to myself as a healer, uh, merely just in, in title, um, to say that, I mean, because it's easier to explain what I do. Sure. <laughs> and to say that, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Reiki healer and it, it's, it's an energy that I bring in my, um, my animal name mm. on my path is true dragon. And in stepping into my healer, I added true dragon with bear medicine and the bear in the uh, animal medicine of that in the native American is, is a healer and it's a re renewer. And the idea of the bear that goes, goes in for hibernation and comes out in spring, he uh, comes out renewed to a world that is also renewed and it just brings such a, such a healing energy. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I, lo I love how you, cause part of me is like, you know, on the fence of whether I want to call myself a healer, but I like how you, um, it's what you're bringing energetically that solidifies that for you. Yeah. I mean, even if you were to, you know, if you refer to a, a Western doctor as a healer, I mean, the doctor may set the bone and put the cast, but it's up to your body to actually heal, right? Totally. I mean, if it, if they, they cut you open with your appendix, if your body or you and your being had chosen, you know, I'm not going to heal, it wouldn't matter what they did. And you have that um, new people in their system and they're just, they're just ready to move on. Um, another thing Reiki does is it helps hold a container I haven't worked with anyone yet, but in the practice, it teaches us how to work and hold space for someone who's passing on to kind of clear mm -hmm. that energy to allow their transition to be more graceful and kind of help bring a solace for the family. Because when, when people die, inevitably, you said it's one of the only two things that are guaranteed in life, death and taxes, um, <laughs> but everyone will die eventually. Um, I've, I've got some, some edgy ideas around uh, the, the joke of immortality and we can get into that for a second, but the, um, we as the ones that are left here on this three-dimensional plane are what makes someone's passing difficult, whether for us or for them. I mean, if you, if you died tomorrow, Keenan. I would be sad. I count you as, as a friend. And I also would be happy for you because you have come to the end of your journey. Amazing for you. I've, I've gotten to the point now where people tell me about their loved one passing. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them that they did. And a couple of people have kind of taken aback, but it's like, you know, if I, if I held on to your energy, I held on to that cord that doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve you as an infinite being moving on. So in the Reiki practice, I can help facilitate a, um, a person who's coming to the end, their energetic system and their loved one's energetic system so that those ties aren't still there. I mean, it's one thing to honor the memory of someone's life and another to kind of tether their energy here like they had never passed on. I think that that does a disservice. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, you know, death can be really challenging and and especially in family and close ones and loved ones. And I think one of the the most freeing, expansive um, gestures I felt into exactly what you're saying is this idea of celebrating death and, and being able to let go and see that, you know, this this is a journey where when we're born, we're going to die. And so when we do, it's just, you know, a way of honoring that path and the fact that it is over. Um, so beautifully spoken. Yeah, I really love that. I think that's an important piece to, um, yeah, just consider in general in life and, and also to have somewhat of a close relationship to death and just understand it from a, a maybe a different perspective where um, it's not this thing we need to totally fear, um, but it's it's just like anything it's a relationship we take to it yeah it's more of an, it's an acknowledgement i mean we can we can ignore the fact that we're all going to die someday it doesn't change the fact that we're all going to die someday it's like you know when we were talking about you know i don't i don't want to look at this trauma over here so i'm just gonna i'm gonna ignore that i'm not gonna feel that it doesn't mean it's not there and right. at the same time you can't live every day like oh i could die at any second because in that puts too much trauma and pressure onto it and be like, well, I've, I've got, you know, one second. Okay. I've got another second. I've got another second. It's like, that's, that's a little much for the human (laughs) psyche, but I mean, I, I strap on my vest and gun every day and I've been doing it daily since 2003, one way or another. If I was, if I was wearing camo, in 2004 or i was wearing brown in 2007 i wear blue now but the idea of i kiss my wife and my kids goodbye and knowing that the universe may have planned that i don't make it home that night and be okay with that and go out you know with a death wish by any means, but to recognizing that, yeah, it could happen. Um, In that same aspect, I may be in a situation where someone else doesn't go home to their family and be okay with that. And know that whatever happens, it's for everyone's highest good. If Sunday, when I start my shift, I kiss my wife for the last time when I go into work and I don't make it home that night knowing that that's my path and it's in the highest good for my wife and kids. And it is what it is and staying in my truth. um, I used to have such a judgment with it is what it is because it feels very disempowering. Um, Like you can't, you can't change it. But I think it is what it is. It's more of an allowance, like I said earlier, of not resisting the way things are. If that's what is happening or that's what happened, that can't be changed. It, it is. Yeah. It is. And I allow and honor whatever that is. Yeah. There's a certain surrender, uh, freedom in surrendering to what it, to what is in acknowledging, um, you know, the lack of control that we have in in things, and and also 
um, yeah, just honoring what, what is, what is going to be, will be. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's needed. I, I guess I'm taken back a little bit to where you're talking about originally this idea of control being part of how you're, you felt like you're raised perhaps, you know, in our mm-hmm. culture and bringing that piece into the Reiki training and then being like, wait, this is the opposite. I actually need to let go here. So it's cool to see how you're in your journey. You've, you, you're sort of finding that, that middle ground, that balance of, you know, surrendering, but then also knowing when to act and Absolutely. when to, yeah. Cause there's not, it's, I've been told and I've kind of taken this quote on and I, I spread it faithfully is true power is when you release the illusion of control. Because control is Love nothing that. but an illusion. Yeah. And giving <laughs> up control doesn't mean you no longer act. You still mm-hmm. act and remain in your truth and trust that whatever happens is for the highest good. Beautifully spoken. Yeah, you've got some amazing perspective, Zach. And uh, your presence is always a joy to be around. Um, yeah, I, I I find that if you haven't tried a Reiki session, it's one of the more profound things actually that I've had in, in any healing modalities. Um, it just takes me usually into such a deep place of restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, so highly recommended. Um, is there anything else you might want to add today to, to our conversation? Um, I don't know. I think everything's flowed uh, as it needed to. Yeah, I'm very. Um, I said thank you for this opportunity to be here, Ken, yeah. and facilitating this uh, this conversation. I really, uh, I appreciate that, and um, I appreciate being a part of Luminous. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Zach. Yeah, there's a lot more I want to talk to you about, so we'll. I'll look forward to that in future episodes. Absolutely, I All do right. as well. Later for now. Thank you. Mm-hmm.